Agencies across government are tasked with accelerating the development of mission-critical systems. We'll be presenting a series of podcasts throughout the year with federal executives and program managers to discuss what types of technology they're implementing and how to minimize inefficiencies and improve productivity to power technology modernization. Today's low-code episode is sponsored by Appian. Here's your host, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Jason Adolph. He is the Industry Vice President for Global Public Sector at Appian. Jason, good to have you on. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Let's talk about, we're not really in a post-COVID world yet, but hopefully we will be soon. But whatever happens, this is going to have long-term effects and permanent effects on the way the government goes about a lot of things, including digital transformation. So give us your view of the environment, how it's changing and how that's all affecting the thinking toward digital government. Sure. You know, what we've seen over and over is, I think in the past, um, you know, government organizations have been able to slow roll change when they wanted to. And, um, you know, if you think about the legislative environment of having new laws enacted, and there's always a kind of a waiting period before those laws are enacted, um, most of our customers had been accustomed to having significant runway to make change. And I think what we're seeing today, not only with, with COVID, but just frankly, the political environment here in Washington, is that we're throwing out all of those norms. And so you've got both environmental factors and you've got um, political factors that are causing agencies to have to make changes at a pace that's just unheard of. You know, in my past history, I, I uh, worked for an integrator and we were working on the Affordable Care Act. And I thought that was um, a rapid pace um, program back in you know, 2013 and 14. And you know, today it's just, it's just crazy, to be honest with you. And so what I think we're seeing is, is this, is there's this realization at all levels of government, and particularly in the federal government, that um, through directives, not necessarily laws, but now you have executive actions, you have you know, policy changes, um, agencies are being directed to do things um, on a dime, you know, and not you know, six months from now or a year from now. Um, they're being asked to do something in two weeks or in a week or tomorrow. And, and so for us, what we're seeing is that they're finding that they've reached the limits of some of the systems that are critical to their missions, and they just can't do the things they need to do to keep up with both um, those environmental factors and the political factors. And so um, we've seen a, a pretty dramatic uptick in, in interest in you know, low-code technologies since the pandemic. You know, it was already a technology base that was, that was growing pretty rapidly, but um, you know, now that people are being asked to do stuff with their current software applications and current environments, um, you know, they're finding that it just can't. And, and so um, they're, they're calling us and, and, you know, and it's been really interesting to see the types of, of use cases that are coming out of this. Yes, I heard one former Treasury official comment the other day on the fact that it took three weeks to a couple of months to push the CARES Act money out. And he said, why is the government taking three weeks to months to get money out when we have all of these commercial grade fast delivery networks that can transfer funds of billions in a split second around the world? The government still seems to still be in the coach and buggy age with respect to, uh, to that, that particular function of getting money sure. out fast. 
Yeah, I mean, and what we've seen is in, in that's a pretty good use. I mean, that's a pretty good example. I mean, what's happening is, and, and I think a lot of times the public doesn't see this, is they see that somebody makes an announcement that, you know, we're going to provide relief funds. And they think that the spigot just, they just go outside and turn the faucet on and money starts to flow. But what happens is whenever they announce these new programs, um, there's no infrastructure to, to deliver it. It's not like the CARES Act existed before COVID. And so, you know, the idea that you were going to, to start rolling, you know, giving out money at a, at a significant clip with the accountability that was required, what was going to do that? And, and so um, you saw kind of a, you know, a crippling um, impact of that when, when some of those applications came in. The same thing, we've seen the same thing with, with unemployment systems, you know, at the state, at the state government level. Um, we're seeing that in grant systems, you know, that, that our customers are asking us about. The other interesting one that we're seeing is, is frankly, is, is acquisition systems, um, you know, where the, the government now has to go and buy stuff faster than they've ever bought it before. So, you know, we, we saw a lot of disruption in March and April where we had agencies that, that had to push procurements simply to go out and buy, you know, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or, or something like that because they had no infrastructure. And, and so all of those factors are just requiring across the board, um, you know, delivering capabilities at a speed that just, like I said, just didn't exist. So it's really the challenge then is much more than a function of speeding up or scaling up the old infrastructure and applications you have, but maybe they need to replace and applications so that there is a much more modern infrastructure for the next wave because we've seen these types of programs now probably three times in the past 20 years. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what, what, I, what I think you're, you're going to see more of going into you know, next year and as you start to see some of these bigger procurements is um, you're going to buy a system that performs a base function. And that, that might be grants or lending or something like that. And, and let's take grants, for example. You know, what you don't want to do is buy a custom-coded grant system that when the government has the next whatever it is that causes this kind of disruption, you need to add a new category of grant to give out money and you have to go back and recode, you know, 10,000 or 100 million lines of code. What you want is something that you could go in and say, all right, I've got this grants application in place that's flexible and I literally need to go in there and just add a new category of grants. And within you know, days, you, you could have tested it and you can scale it in the cloud and it's already secure and, and then you can respond to that. And that just, again, just didn't exist in a lot of these applications. Same, same goes for a lot of the COTS applications that exist, these ERP systems. They're not designed to be you know, customized that quickly. That's right. Many of those took years to even configure and install the first time around. And I think maybe the other example might be the IRS, which has to recode every year, but they've gotten really, really good at doing something that's really, really old fashioned and sure. probably they shouldn't need to do. Would that be a good way to put it? Yeah. And, and we see that again, you know, it's, it's not specific to a given agency. It's, it's, it's across the board. And, and, you've, and what, I'm, what I'm encouraged by is the response that we're getting in the uh, discussions that we're having with our customers is they get it. I mean, and, and it's not... It's not a question of do they believe that they need to do something different. It's not a question of do they think there's something better out there to, to help solve their problem. Um, it's just you know it's it's hard to buy stuff in the government. I mean, it's, you know if it was if it was easy for them to buy you know procure you know um, uh, software systems, um, make my job a whole lot easier. But um, so I, I said it's a lot of encouraging signs going into this kind of post-COVID era um, that we're seeing you know clearly across the board. 
All right, on that note, we'll take a short break. My guest today is Jason Adolph. He is the Industry Vice President for Global Public Sector at Appian. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is Federal Digital Transformation in a Post-COVID World, sponsored by Appian here on Federal News Network. Need help accelerating your IT modernization efforts? Look no further. Appian is the leading low-code provider for the federal market, helping agencies simplify application development and leverage existing IT investments to deliver new solutions. Appian's secure, reliable, and scalable FedRAMP certified platform comes with the Appian Guarantee, your solution created and deployed in just eight weeks. Learn more at appian.com slash appian-guarantee. appian.com slash appian-guarantee. Welcome back to our discussion, Federal Digital Transformation in a Post-COVID World, sponsored by Appian here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Jason Adolf, Industry Vice President for Global Public Sector at Appian. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And before the break, we were talking about applications, Jason. And uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about the challenges you see that agencies have knowing they need to deploy new applications to get the same functions done, but maybe at much greater scale or brand new functions, depending on, as you put it, a sudden change in policy or the passage of a law, people get impatient. And so there's a higher velocity, I guess, needed in today's world as we move toward post-COVID. What are some of those challenges? Sure. I, you know, th there's a lot, I mean, there's a, a number of significant challenges that we see. And, and frankly, it, it tends to fall into a couple of buckets. So the, the first is, you know, you've been in this industry a long time. Government programs don't get less complex over time. They get significantly more complex over time. And so, you know, what we see is that um, it's one thing when you have fairly binary um, rules to determine things like eligibility or benefits or claims or things like that, especially things that are, that are um, pertinent to this kind of COVID era where, we're, where the government is just giving out large volumes of money. Um, and you know, when you have to think about what it takes to deploy that business logic into an environment, um, that's not a trivial, that's not a trivial activity. And so what you've seen over the last couple of years is there's become this stratification almost where you're either a data scientist that can, that can somehow code that business logic into an application, or you're working with a set of tools that, that, that tries to bridge the gap between what we would see as a business analyst or a policy person who understands what's supposed to happen and how the tool itself actually executes um, the logic that's, that's part of that, that business process or that application. So that's, that's one of the things. The, the other um, is, you know, there's simply this idea that um, I've got to be able to deploy multi-channel experiences um, near instantaneously. And, and so, more and more we've seen this, I saw this with the, with the Affordable Care Act and in other programs I've done you know, before this is, um, you've got such a, when you have issues like COVID that affect the, the demographics of the United States, whether you're young or old, those people have different ways of interacting with government and significantly different ways and expectations of interacting with government. And so being able to, to not only deploy kind of in a multi-channel environment, but also, um, you know, be accessible and have a, meet the accessibility standards of the government right out of the box and, and things like that and scale for the types of volumes of these new programs that are, that are unforeseen. Um, I think those are the things that in the past a software developer had to deal with. And now we've kind of moved to this place where we're trying to remove that from the application development equation. We've made it easy for 
business logic to be instantiated into the tool we've, we've made, scalability, a function of you know, a, a massive cloud infrastructure. We're, we're building accessibility into the design environment so that when you're, you know, you're building these interfaces that people will use, um, you don't have to think about you know, whether a screen reader could use it or, or something like that. And so I think you're seeing some of those challenges that we're, we're trying to meet in addition to, as we, we discussed, just the time, time horizons for getting things deployed. Yes, and there's also the issue, too, of the data required for different multi-channel applications. And we've seen in some of the COVID response that the government lacked access to the data that it itself needed to be able to do these programs in a, in a, with a high degree of integrity and low error rates and so on. And so in some ways, these applications have to have the calls and the reach outs to other databases and data sources also built in. And that probably also took a lot of programming by hand at one time. Right, and and so again, we we've, we've tried to simplify that as well. It's it's, I, I can tell you from coming from the integrator community, it's one of the hardest things to do in a software development project is get people to agree on one allowing access to data, two um, actually agreeing to a, a common data model, um, and and so I think what we've tried to do, and I think we've done very well, is we've got this this kind of concept of let's leave the data where it sits. You know, if you need some, if you need to put it somewhere, we can provide that. But in reality, m most of the things where we're trying to build these you know, composite applications rapidly, um, why spend a lot of time trying to go through these massive data migration or replication efforts when the data exists in the format that we need it? And so what we're more looking at is how do we aggregate that into something that's useful quickly? And I, and I think um, this concept of, of um, using data where it lays, whether it's in a database or in a web service or a third-party service, um, uh, and, and then aggregating that into a, a view um, that we call having records of that allows you to take action on it. Um, we see what we, what we really see as the benefit of that is the shortening of project schedules just takes less time to build because you're removing that, that, you know, massive migration effort from the equation. And before we get into the next segment, which is going to do some more detail, we'll get into some more detail on the low code aspects of all of this uh, before the break. Is it safe to say that, with low code strategies, then people other than traditional coding software developers can make this happen by using the tools of low code. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we like to look at it as kind of a blended team model. You know, we have certainly have tools where, you know, you could go to a, a training class and, and come out and build applications, but, but being honest, I mean, there's, a, there's so much complexity in a lot of these, these government programs we've reduced the amount of complexity it takes to do this where you know somebody who is non-technical can contribute in a, in a massive way to building applications and that allows you know frankly our agencies and our, our integrator partners to use the resources they already have without going through months and months of training to learn something complicated and proprietary so yeah on one hand we have the ability to build things extraordinarily quickly with with non-technical folks but we also have the ability to to take on these you know, very mission critical applications um, without using tr what would be traditionally very, very expensive and, and you know, uh, folks with many, many years of, of training. All right. On that, we'll take a short break. My guest today is Jason Adolf. He's the industry vice president for global public sector at Appian. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is federal digital transformation in a post-COVID world sponsored by Appian here on Federal News Network. Need help accelerating your IT modernization efforts? Look no further. 
Appian is the leading low-code provider for the federal market, helping agencies simplify application development and leverage existing IT investments to deliver new solutions. Appian's secure, reliable, and scalable FedRAMP certified platform comes with the Appian Guarantee, your solution created and deployed in just eight weeks. Learn more at appian.com slash appian-guarantee. appian.com slash appian-guarantee. Welcome back to our discussion, Federal Digital Transformation in a Post-COVID World, sponsored by Appian here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Jason Adolph. He is the Industry Vice President for Global Sector at Appian, and I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And Jason, let's get into the low code, some of the details of it, because it sounds a little bit like black magic, the way you describe it. Drag and drop boxes, and suddenly you have a, you know, a massive scalable uh, application for federal size use. Tell us what it is exactly and, and how it fits into the uh, application development needs that federal agencies have, as we've discussed in this rapid post-COVID world. Sure. You know, what, what I think is the irony is, you know, we have an awful lot of people here that are building the product to make it so that a very few amount of people can, uh, can, can have that black magic experience. So, you know, what we've, what we've essentially done is this, is, oh, you know, we've, we've essentially abstracted the code from having to be understood by an end user. And so what, what our end users are seeing and our, our designers, people have application designing an Appian, what they're seeing are, are visual tools. You're, you're designing applications with flowcharts. You're designing business rules in decision tables. You're, you're kind of dragging and drop form elements to build interfaces and, and, and the such. And what's happening under the hood is we're interpreting all that and turning it into the application. In the past, what you would have done is you would have built those components and then you would have also, you would have been doing that in the code and then, you know, debugging it or running it to see what the output is of the code that you, that you had coded or you had built. We're doing it the opposite way, which is we're showing you the output and we're generating the things that Appian needs to understand and run that application. So our users and, and end users and developers don't see code. Um, there are some options where if they want to do some things and they're more comfortable Working in that environment, they can, but it's not required as part of the, the building of, of applications. You know, we've done that not only with, you know, things like workflow and, and business logic and interfaces, but also even the integrations that we provide. So, you know, we're providing, you know, here's the next bug word, no, no code integrations to um, a lot of major software packages. So if you want to integrate with other, you know, enterprise software, um, it's very simple, uh, and, and we're not requiring you to have to understand how to, to push and pull data between those tools. We, we understand that our customers have lots of, um, you know, good investments in, in other IT tools, and so we're trying to make it easy to play nicely with all of those things, and I, and I think that just reduces the friction of adding low-code tools into an, an IT landscape. Now, when developing applications the traditional way and the slow way and the by hand way, if you will, even if there's large teams working on it, there are several functions that go along with just the coding. For example, compiling, you know, sure. quality control testing, and maybe most important of all in these days is cybersecurity checks to make sure there's no buffer overflow capacities and all kinds of bugs that can come in that affect cybersecurity. How do those functions and those checks and balances and quality control checks happen in something that's basically happening underneath the scene there and when you're just uh, designing the workflow at the, at the macro level, if you will. Yeah, and, and, and it's a great point. It's, it's so 
when we're, when we're deploying applications, I think the most important thing is to give the, the customer choice. I mean, we have some customers that are not IT shops, they're, they're business shops. And so they need us to handhold them through all of those things. So we're providing them, you know, a FedRAMP environment for cloud. We're providing the way to, to test their business logic and their workflows directly from, you know, the front, you know, from the uh, design environment. Um, you know, there's no, no, not necessary to compile things. And we're helping them with what we consider, we call it a health check within the application that, you know, visually shows somebody um, how their application is performing versus what we consider the best practices. But we also have customers that are, that are very sophisticated IT shops and they have DevOps pipelines and DevSecOps pipelines. And so we also include tools that allow those organizations to integrate the Appian development into those very sophisticated um, development shops. So um, again, what you're hearing is it's, it's a lot of um, trying to, 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 to satisfy multiple constituencies in development. One is, is that business user and, and, and giving them control of, of the application, but it's also for um, you know, large IT shops that are, that are using our platform to do you know, what could be dozens of applications on that, that set of shared infrastructure. And suppose, say, you know, three weeks or three months down the line, you need some maintenance to the application or you need to add that function, that new group of recipients to a federal program or, or whatever the case might be, that new data source. It sounds like that can be effectuated much more simply than it would be in the integrated development days of waterfall development. Sure. Yeah. Yes. And, and the other thing I'd be remiss in, in bringing up is, is you know, the, the idea of, of automation and, and integrating AI and RPA and, and things like that. So what's happening is all of our customers are, are hearing about these technologies and, and it, again, also almost seems like vaporware to them, you know, where they're used to using commercial things. They go to Amazon and, and Amazon tells them what, um, you know, detergent to buy and they listen. In, in business applications, you know, somebody tells me what I'm supposed to do next in my job, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, a little bit more hesitant there. But what we've attempted to do is, is make it easier for our business user community to feel comfortable integrating robotics and, and artificial intelligence and um, you know, RPA and blockchain and all these things into their applications in not just a takeover manner where, where those tools are making the decisions, but, but also in an assistive manner where they're providing recommendations and they're providing assistance to the work. And you know, the, you know, when we talk about this post-COVID world, you know, one of the things that you're seeing and you brought up earlier in the discussion about the, um, the PPP lending is just the backlog. Of, of things and, and humans can only do stuff so fast without adding more human capacity. And so I think we're seeing now more of a, a, a comfort level for what we call full stack automation, which is, you know, the, the low code plus AI plus, you know, RPA bots to assist an agency and assist a workforce in, in not only um, reducing the administrivia of, of their work, but, but doing it faster. And, and so we're building the application faster. We're allowing them to, perform the work faster. And ultimately, you know, it's, it's just a better value for you know, the taxpayer and what they're getting. Sure, and a final question. I think we've covered a lot of territory here. Can you get into code so developed in case you need to document it or you need to understand it in some way? Because often there's that, that need for whatever reason might come up later down the line to understand what the code is doing. And that's possible with self-generated and low code generated products. 
Absolutely. I mean, we, so one of the big things, and, I, and I've seen this in my career, is, you know, government programs, especially, and especially politically charged government programs, get audited all the time. And, and so we want to make sure that um, the outcomes that are generated from um, business processes that are going through Appian are uh, verified, you know, you can verify them and they're, they're auditable. And, and so we are version controlling every object. So, you know, we're version controlling the business rules, we're version controlling the, the business processes. We're, um, we're making it such that if, if the inspector general came and asked me, you know, what, why did Tom's, uh, you know, benefits application produce this determination, I can go in and show that person exactly what the system did, exactly what version of the rules were, were there, and, and even the self-documentation that's generated by our tool as to all the things the back-end system did, you know, so how, how the systems interacted. Yeah. In a word, then, it is really enterprise-grade. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for a great discussion. My guest today is Jason Adolph, Industry Vice President for Global Public Sector at Appian. Good to have you with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Appian. Thank you for listening to the Low Code episode, sponsored by Appian on Federal News Network.